Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and also an executive leadership coach. Pretty excited about that. And today, you know it's my goal to always bring you fantastic guests. And today, I have, I'm not going to let you down, I promise. So let me introduce our guest so we can go ahead and get him on here and we can get started. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Mark Given, author of the Trust-Based Series and founder of the Trust-Based Philosophy. Mark has been changing businesses and improving lives for nearly four decades. His, program, his programs help people become better leaders, salespeople, and networkers by building trust with those around them. Mark, it is so exciting to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm just so, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm so glad to be here with you today. And, you know, you shared something with me earlier, and I hope you don't mind us sharing with the rest of our audience that there's some congratulations in order today. Yeah, well, you know what? It's it's probably not so much to me. Sometimes you're just in the right place with the right people. And my uh, my youngest child, so my wife and I have five children. We have four sons and a daughter. The daughter's the youngest. And today she had her very first child at uh, 12, 16 p.m. East Coast time. So grandchild number nine, I couldn't be happier. I It's all over your face. For those watching, they're going to be able to see that you are a proud granddad. What do your grandkids call you? Uh, pops, they call me Pops, and so uh, I'm not sure where that came from, but that's okay. I love being called Pops. Do you know what uh, my dad is called? I think he has a very unique. You've probably never heard this before. His his name and my my I had the first grandchild. Whoopsie, um, you know, out of our family, and so my oldest one got to name my dad, and he calls him Papu. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I have not heard that one before. Yes. So, does he like that? He gets a kick oh, yeah. out of that? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's been popping for almost 30 years, you know? All right. So, yeah. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I will tell you this. I probably shouldn't say this on TV, but I'm going to. Um, so, when my youngest nephew was born, he and he started talking, and you know, we said, "That's Papu," and he goes, "Hey, Poo Poo." <laughs> so and there you go. Yeah, and there you go. Right? Yeah, that's that's destiny. So that's for sure. Oh my goodness, it's so much fun. Oh, Mark, I'm so glad you're here today. Even though, you know, I would have totally given you a pass on this with the grandbaby being born today. Um, you know, and we were talking beforehand as well that you know I like to spin that spider web and kind of let people know how I got connected with people. So how did you and I get connected? Well, you know, you had a, a networking guru. You're, you're actually the uh, hiring guru, but Frank Agan, who's the networking guru out there and runs a whole organization on that, uh, had me on, on a program he did and uh, t talking about building, maintaining and repairing trust because that's my expertise. That's what I do. And actually afterwards, he emailed me a couple names and he said, you know what, I need to connect you with this person and this person. You really should be on their shows because 
your message is what their people are going to want to hear. So that's how we got connected. I think that was actually episode number 52 for you was uh, Frank Agan. So it, absolutely. Can... <laughs> yeah. and, and it had to be him. You know, for our one-year anniversary, it had to be Frank. He has really, he gets so many shout-outs on this show, almost as many as Bob Berg, um, you know, about the go-giver. Um, we love that. And the Miracle Morning, those are some of our favorite books for sure. So they get lots of shout-outs. So there you go, Frank. There's yours for today. There you go. So I know you're an expert on building trust in a personal or professional manner, right, or sense. And you've written books, many, many books. You, I think you said that you have five so far in the Trust-Based series with four more yeah. coming out. Yeah, well, nine, nine total books, but the last five have been on the science of building, maintaining, and repairing trust with more to come. I don't have a limit on that because there's so many different topics that we can talk about in that, in that area. I mean, everybody needs the same thing when it comes to trust is to build a deeper level of trust, and, but they don't always understand the science of it. So that's, that's I don't write boring books. I, re, I write no, simple you don't. books that are easy to apply. And, and they're all about different topics. So leadership, selling, uh, networking, that's how Frank and I got connected. My newest one is on time management and productivity, but I've got the next two coming out are on building referrals. That's Bob Berg's expertise mm -hmm. with the go-giver and, um, and a, a entrepreneurial book. So how to, you know, how to build trust so you can build a powerful business. So, uh, and then there'll be more. I just, uh, you know, it's only a couple at a time. I can only do a couple at a time. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you've written that many. I've tried to write one and it's not gone well. So I'm really <laughs> impressed. But It'll happen. It'll happen for you. I think I'm going to go in a different direction. I'll tell you about that offline. Maybe when we get okay. done here, I think you'll yeah. be excited. Um, yeah. So what inspired you to create and adopt this philosophy? So the Cliff Notes version on that is I'm just like everybody else in that I want to build lasting relationships and I want to build businesses or my, whatever business I'm involved in. I want to do well in that business. I mean, who, who doesn't want to get up to, to go to work and do well that day so that you can, so you can grow your life and grow your business? And after um, college and I started in business a couple of years in the insurance business and then 20 years in retail, and then 20 years, uh, I actually got a real estate license and then started writing more and more books. And so what I discovered was no matter what I was doing, uh, whether it was my personal relationships, my wife and I have been blessed to be married for 42 years and all our children, you know, we want to build a life and businesses that with a foundation of trust. When we have trust, our life flourishes, both personally and professionally. But when we don't, it crashes down around us. And so I was interested in finding out not just what is trust, but you know the concept of trust, but I was interested in the science of trust, how you actually do it, how you build it, maintain it, and repair it. And that's what I started writing. So I started researching it, studying it, and then I started writing about it. And so uh, I love it. I mean, I, I get up every day, can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> you know what? And that is kind of my goal in life is to help people find their passion so that they never work a day in their life. It sounds like you definitely found yours. Yeah, well, it's not work, right? It's not work when you no. get up excited and it's not work when you go to bed thinking about what's coming up tomorrow because I can't wait, you know? So, uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm probably a little bit crazy, but uh, it's, it's what I do and it's what I love, so... 
I don't think you're crazy at all. I think you're one of the few fortunate ones that have truly found what makes them happy and what gives them the energy to get up and, you know, I, I don't want to say go to work because you're not going to work, but to go play. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, even, even this, I mean, I was excited to be on here with you today because uh, whatever amount of time it takes, if we can help your listeners uh, grow and succeed, then we've, it's been very valuable time. So I'm grateful. You can ask me anything you want and I'll give them the best answer I've got. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I, okay, let's ask this. So I have been reading your book and I, um, it, you know, in the chapter on first impressions really struck me because in the world of recruiting, that's so, so important. So what steps can someone take to make the best first impression like at every touch point, because you, you mentioned several. Sure. So, so let's talk. Let's let me take just a minute to talk about the pyramid of trust, because trust is not just a concept. It's not just a philosophy. And so, what we've discovered, and what I write about, and if they go to my website, markgiven.com, they can actually see the visual of the trust-based pyramid, or what we call the pyramid of trust. So, the first level of any interaction with people, we just call the grand opening. We've all been taught we only get one opportunity to make a first impression, but now there's science behind that. And whether you think that you've got you know, a few seconds or a few minutes to make a first impression, the truth is you now have in today's world with adults that have healthy brains, and it's even proven that children are not much difference in time, you actually have 50 milliseconds to make a first impression. We form an opinion in 50 milliseconds. And by the way, while people are judging us or profiling us, because that's the harsh word we use today, it's profiling. Mm -hmm. So why, when they're profiling us, we're doing the exact same thing to them. So we gotta go into the world with our best game. So there's there's more than more than one piece in the in the first level, which is the grand opening, but that's just that's just one of the pieces, which is understanding we have less than a blink of a second to make that positive first impression. So very quickly, I'll tell you, then there's the second level, which is the rapport phase. Because once, once somebody sees us and they say, yeah, well, you know what? They look like they're competent. They look like they're caring. I would at least like to have a conversation with them. Then you go to the rapport level and it's how you do that. The key on that is listening. Then you go to the maintenance level because we built some kind of relationship. And that's about the, the whole Bob Berg philosophy, which is being a giver. The world loves givers. Of course, there's more to it than the simplicity of what I'm saying. And then the top level is, hey, we're all human beings, so we make mistakes. So what happens when you blow it, when you mess it all up? And there is a science, a four-piece you know, strategy that works that we teach which is the apology or the repair stage. So that, that's the pyramid of trust. So it's level one, which is grand opening, level two, which is rapport, level three, which is maintenance, level four, which is repair. And that's, that's the Cliff Notes version of the uh, pyramid of trust. So, and, and so when you're talking about those first impressions though, you know, what, how can we help our candidates? What advice can we give them so that they don't blow that first impression, that grand opening? Yeah, you know what? So, so um, and you, you really kind of already asked that and I didn't answer it deep enough. So let me give you an answer. I, I kind of said it, but I didn't say it clear enough. You need to go into the world on your best game all the time. People are going to judge you whether you like it or not 
they, they're human beings and they're gonna judge you based on your facial expressions, your body language, the way you're dressed, the way you carry yourself. Do you look confident or do you look scared to death? And so it's not about being overconfident and being, you know, arrogant, you never, you don't want to come across that way, but you want to come, come across what I try to teach my children is being humbly confident and you want to look your best. I mean, we only have, I only have so much to work with. I'm, I, I mean, I, I am what I am. So I need to come into the world when I step out into the world and I'm going to meet people, I'm going to go on a job interview. I need to be well-prepared not just mentally, but also physically. And I, that doesn't mean it's, I'm talking about going out and losing weight or exercising or joining a gym. I'm just saying you are what you are, be your best. If you wanna build trust when you get out there, just go prepared. And if you're having a crappy day, it's probably not the best time for you to get out and try to get a new job. So mentally and physically. You know, and, and this is me being just a little bit vulnerable here because, you know, there was something that happened right before I came on the podcast and I was just like, it was really kind of affecting me. And it's kind of that, just what you're saying about showing up humbly confident. And I love that term, but I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm just going in there. I'm just going to do my thing because I know I can, you know, if that what happened over here does not affect this moment right here. So I still need to show up because even with you, I know we've talked before but it's been a while. And so this is almost like a first impression again, yeah, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And so, and, and by the way, that is actually, we are constantly, you know, getting, we're getting past that grand opening. Once we've created that, we've created that. The only problem with that is if we make a bad first impression, we, we have these cognitive biases. There are actually 12 of them and we love to be right. And so if we, if we observe somebody and we formed a negative opinion about them, then we're very difficult to convince that we were wrong because the biases go to work trying to prove all the reasons we're right. I can trust them. Well, you know, now those biases say, well, I know I can trust them, but if we believe we can't trust them, and that's again, on a competence level, you know, I'm, I'm pointing at my brain right. and, and, uh, and a heart level, you know, because we, we need to show that we're caring and we're competent. We're not ax murderers, we're not dangerous in any way. And we look like we'll put others' needs above our own. And that's not being sappy or being the, you know, the kid in school that takes the teacher the apple. It's just, if we want to get hired, if we want to have a chance, we better be ready to compete and understand that when we come across well, we set the right impression. And then that's when we go to the rapport stage, which is what you said. We may have met before. You've already formed an opinion on me. I formed an opinion on you, but now we're at the rapport stage. And what we want more than anything in the rapport stage is to be heard. We want, we should talk less and listen more, be good, it's Socratic method. People are smart, they have the answers within them, give them a chance to say it. Yeah, and that's something I've really been working on recently is the whole listening thing, you know, because, I mean, as a coach, you have to listen. You have to engage in that active listening and that intuitive listening, and I like to talk. That's why I have a podcast, you know. Oh, oh by the way, everybody loves to talk. There, If you go back in the 1940s and read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, he will tell you back then when we didn't even have any of this science that the most interesting topic that anybody has is themselves. Mm -hmm. So give them an opportunity to talk about themselves. They'll love you for it. Talk about building trust. 
They'll they'll love you. They'll want to connect with you. They'll want to spend time with you. They'll they'll want to be associated with you. Listen more. My dad taught me when I was a kid, uh, which I didn't understand at the time because I was a teenager and you know I wasn't really listening. But he said he actually gave me a formula. He said it's the ninety ten listening principle that you would if you're really trying to win at life. You would only talk 10% of the time when you're trying to make a positive impression. I didn't realize it was about building trust, but that's totally right. You talk 10% of the time, you would actually listen 90% of the time, which is very difficult to do. It's it's easy to understand. It's very difficult to apply. Yeah, I, I don't know what my percentage is right now, but it's probably not that. I'm going to go with 50-50. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some nonverbal signals that can help establish trust with someone? So I, I, I touched on those. So let's touch on those again. So again, body language is so critically important. We have this, um, you know, this aura, whether whether we you know understand it or not. But we we are putting out this aura mm-hmm. all the time. It's positive or it's negative. And so obviously what you want to do is put out this you know, these positive impressions to people. And so you do that by mostly, mostly people are going to look at your face. And so, uh, so you do that with positive expressions. You know, you, you probably have met somebody before that it just doesn't appear that they're very happy. And, and if you ask them, Hey, are you doing okay? You know, you, you're all right today. And they say, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Everything's great. And you want to say, well, tell your face, right? Because (laughs) your face doesn't show that. And so you, you need to, uh, in pre-show today, we were talking, you said, boy, Mark, I'm just, you know, so nice that you'd be smiling all the time. And I'm just telling you, I smile all the time because, you know, when I'm not with people, I can stop smiling if I want to. But I got to practice smiling because there's so many things that beat us down in the world. It's easy to find something to be negative about. If you want to make a positive impression and, and build and and you know develop deep levels of trust you can't be a negative nilly you've got to be a positive person that people want to you know they want to be around and sure you can have friends that you can have those negative conversations but boy you don't want to bring that to a to a you know a job application you know you don't want to bring that when you're trying to meet somebody for the first time smiling is absolutely the best thing you should practice get yourself a mirror and practice your natural smile, not a fake smile, not a, you know, not a, you know, a a smile that people can tell that's, they don't mean that. That's not, that's not really them. You got to practice your natural smile because people are drawn to a smile. They just are. And so be a smiley person, not a fake (laughs) smiler, right? But a real smiler and, and people are just drawn to you. So that, that helps in, in, in all the things we do whether we're trying to get a job or whether they're trying to keep a job, right? So, Absolutely. You know, and I'm so glad you talked about that positive aura versus the negative aura because, I mean, I can tell you, like, my skin will literally crawl if somebody is coming at me with negative energy or something. I just, I can't, I don't want to be around it. That's not the person that I am. And, and I think that, I don't think I'm the only one that feels that, right? I'm sure that, like, I mean, do you agree with that? The, the majority of people that you run into are seeking positivity. Now, obviously there are some, there's always an argument to that, right? There's always an argument that says, you know, stop smiling. What are you so happy about? But the, the reality of it is the majority of people 
are seeking positivity. We all know people that when we see them and they, when they walk in the room, you know, you just, they just bring this energy mm-hmm. that you just say, you know, th- that's such a happy person or a kind person or a nice person. We form that opinion about them. So in other words, they come in and that, you know, they, it's a positive energy. And we also know people that it's when they leave the room that the room now has positive energy, right? We're so excited <laughs> to leave it. So don't be that person. I mean, if you really want to have a chance to compete, then you got to understand it's all about people. It's not just about being having this bubbly personality. It's just about giving off the impression that you're a giving positive person. And, and there is plenty of science behind it to prove why you should do it. So Absolutely. If you want to win, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to win, you want to grow, you want to have a chance, you're going to be a lot better off if you're positive than you're negative. You know, and, and just bringing this back to our job seekers for a second, you know, I, I tell my job seekers all the time when they come to me, like, regardless of what's happened and why you're talking to me right now, you cannot let that come across in your job interview because and it's the same as being negative because they're upset because they've lost their job for one reason or another, or they're just unhappy with their job and wanting to find a new one. But still, it's the same thing because they look desperate. And sure. that can be yeah. perceived as negativity, right? And sure. I think sure. that would. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, think of, there's always things to, to find that are, I mean, there's plenty of negative in the world. So if you focus on the negative, you're going to find the negative. But when you're out there trying to compete, to get a job, to grow your life, to, to improve your possibilities, then, then seek the positive things that will make you feel, you know, interject. We're going to have this anxiousness when you're going in and you're, you know, you're just trying to compete. We're going to have an anxiousness. But the more, the more positivity you have, the more confidence that you have uh, in going in. You know, everybody's going to research you before you go in. I mean, come on, they're going to have done their homework. So I, I teach people all the time, do your homework on the other end. Know who you know about the company, know about the people you're going to be sitting in front of. I mean, do your homework because it's amazing. It's been a little while since we talked, Casey, and I spent 30 minutes this afternoon going back over and I found out stuff about you that's brand new, right? <laughs> that, that we've already talked about in pre-show. And, uh, and by the way, I did that because uh, it was, it's the right thing to do. And I wanted to, I, you know, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to, to connect with you. Right. And so, so I, you know, I could tell you where you, where you volunteer your time because it's online. <laughs> right? right. I mean, I can tell you, it's, it's just, if you'll spend a little bit of time in preparation, you know, and go the extra mile, what will happen is you'll make the right impression, you'll build trust because, you know, every company, any company that would hire you has got to make money off of you. You've got to be worth more to them, right? And you got to, you got to make them more than they're paying you. And so you, you want, in order to compete, you got to show not only how you can help them, but that you know about them and, and that you've, you know, you, and by the way, I don't think people leave necessarily quit companies. Uh, I think that people leave people, right? Yeah. In other words, when you're not connected with them, when you don't trust them, then you're looking, at, you're, you're leaving. It's the same thing coming in. You need to understand them, know them, and know that you're in the right place so that um, you're well prepared and you really come off well. And they trust you when you walk out and they think, you know what, I have a good feeling about them and uh, we need to give that person a shot. And so, 
you know, be your best, prepare your best. Good things can happen for you. You know, miracles happen every day. Why not to you? So. Oh, I like that. That may be my new quote on my signature. Miracles happen every day. Why not to you? I love Why that. Not to you? you know, and you said something else earlier that I just kind of want to highlight just real quick before I go to my next question. And that's, you know, like if you focus on the negative, you're going to find the negative. And there's so much science behind that because what you focus on grows, right? And That is correct. Absolutely. Plenty of books written about that. Yes. And so I just really want people to hear that. I know we talk about it on almost every podcast, but whatever you focus on grows. So make sure that you're focusing on the right stuff. Sure. Or if you want the wrong stuff. Well, you know what? So I've been talking the last few minutes about jobs too, but I just want you to know that this is not just about jobs. I mean, building, maintaining, repairing trust is also about relationships because when your personal relationships are crumbling, it's very difficult to go and perform at a high level at work. Mm -hmm. And so, so all of the things that I write about and that I teach are, are applicable to life and to business. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are are people out there that I meet, you know, that say, Oh, geez, he's just too positive. That's their problem. Yep. (laughs) Not your tribe. (laughs) Not mine. And and because the world is out there and will beat you down if you allow them. So, Mm Uh, so you just have, it's just exactly like you said, I say it just a little bit differently. I don't remember exactly where I, where I learned it, but it's, you know, what you focus on expands is the way I, it's kind of like blowing up a balloon, right? You know, you, you blow, you blow good air in it and you're, you know, you're gonna, you know, I want it to pop. So, so I want, I want to fill my life and my personal life, my business life with positive and then deal with the negative as it comes, because there's going to be some negative that comes. You can't avoid that either. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned the top part of the pyramid is repair. So I kind of want to talk about that because I think you have a process for, you know, reestablishing trust after it's been broken. So what does that look like? Yeah. See, we all, unfortunately, you know, we don't like to admit many people struggle with this um, because they don't like to admit that they're wrong. And, and that is, it's a challenge, right? So, mm-hmm. so just know at the top level of the pyramid of trust is level four, which is repair. And there's a acronym which might help you remember this. It's RAS, R-A-S-S. So the science behind an, a, an appropriate apology to rebuild trust begins with R and the R stands for recognize. So often we make mistakes and when we recognize it, we're embarrassed by it or we don't want to address it. Or maybe we've made a mistake and we don't even realize we said something really foolish or stupid or we did something that maybe harmed somebody or you know some group in some way. So we need to either recognize it ourselves or we need to be willing to you know receive it when somebody gives us counsel, advice, or criticism. So we gotta be willing to recognize, that's number one. Then it goes to A. The A is probably even more difficult than recognize because there are plenty of people out there that'll tell us that we messed it up. But then we have to admit that we actually did something wrong. Now, the legal world might say, no, 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 you don't want to admit. Because if you admit, that positions you for lawsuits. But here's the reality. It's very difficult to hide your mistakes or your sins, right? They're going to come out. I mean, eventually... It always comes out. Somebody, and look, just remember back when you were a kid 
And how often did you really do something that didn't catch up with you at some point, right? So recognize, and then you have to be willing to admit that you're not perfect and that you can do something wrong and you did something wrong. Then that leads to the first S. The, the first S means that to, if you really want to rebuild trust, you got to show some sympathy. You've got to show some sorrow. It might take some remorse. And so I say sympathy or sorrow to, so that you can remember the S. And you got to be sincere about that. In other words, and there might actually, it might actually include some type of restitution. Uh, in other words, we all know people that will say, oh, you know, I recognize I did something wrong. And, you know, I admit it, I was wrong, and I'm sorry that I did it, right? But that's not true sorrow. That's not, you know, how many times have people said, I'm sorry that I did it, but then they just go back, right? And, and they're right back doing the same thing again. So we have to recognize, we have to, you know, be, be willing to, to, uh, to correct it, to listen, right? To give the, the other person an opportunity to say, this is how it made me feel, or, or this is how it harmed me. And you might have to do some restitution on that, which leads to the second S, which is stop. I mean, if you really <laughs> want to build trust, you can't do it again. You got to learn from it. And, and that's when you stop doing it, whether somebody is watching or not, you just never do that again. So recognize, admit, show some sorrow, sympathy, empathy if necessary, right? Or when it applies and then stop doing it. Now you cannot make people accept your apology, obviously, right? But those four steps are the science behind, if you'll do those in order, recognize, admit, show some sorrow, then stop and be, you know, and really stop so that people know that you're committed to that. People in time, some people, if you built this wealth of, you know, of credit, they forgive you quickly. But mm -hmm. if you haven't built this bank account, you know, that you can that you can dip off of, then it might take a little bit more time for people to actually forgive you and and give you another chance. But that's that's how you do it. I mean, that's how you begin the process. And then you've got to allow people time to decide for themselves. You know, are they going to give you another chance? Or are they not going to give you another chance? But if you'll do that, if you'll do that process, the RAS process, you'll go a long way to begin the process, whether it's personally or professionally, to rebuild trust with your family, with your friends, with your, you know, in all your relationships and in your business. Many businesses struggle with this because, you know, they might recognize they did something wrong, but how many times do we see a politician that gets called on it, but they will never admit it, right? And so that if we could get more people that would do the RAS system, the world would be a much better place to live in. But I'm going to just start introducing this to everybody. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it. Recognize, admit, show some sorrow, sympathy, and then stop doing it. And you'll be a better person if you do that. I want to be a better person. That's my goal in life. So, um, <laughs> I think we all do, really. I mean, I yeah. think, I think, you know, I think really your listeners, I'm sure there's some people out there that say, oh, it's a bunch of hooey. You know, I don't give a mess. Forget it. That's, you know, Mark's full of baloney. But but for the most part, the, the bulk of the people you ever know or meet in the world want to be better people. They want to succeed and they want to thrive. And, and from the, the top tier of the pyramid of trust, if you'll just practice that, it, it will work for you. It, it will work. So I'm really curious, what about when it comes to trusting yourself? I mean, it, yeah. it seems like it's difficult 
it's a difficult area for a lot of people to trust in, but why is it so hard for us to trust ourselves? Sure. So I think we all struggle with that. You know, this imposter syndrome that, that uh, the world thinks highly of us and we know the truth, right? And so we have this inner, I, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And so I, I can't give people counsel and advice, you know, for that. But I will tell you this. I think that what I have found is that in all of my life and in all of my readings and in all of my experience, what I would say is most people are much more critical and difficult on themselves than they need to be. And so Casey, I'll say it this way. I've never really met anybody that I spent any time with that didn't do a lot more right than they did wrong, but they just focused on the wrong. And so it's just easy to do. We're very tough on ourselves. And so what I would say is, that, you know, why is it so difficult to trust ourselves? Because we focus too much on all the things we do that are screwed up, right? And if we just would at the end of the day, at the, and I mean this seriously, at the end of the day, when we wind the day down and before we go to bed, put our head on the pillow, we would think of three or four or five things we did right instead of three or four or five things we did wrong, then we would be able to build more confidence and trust in ourselves. And, and I don't mean arrogance, just enough confidence in to be able to function in the world. But the truth is we're human beings. So what do we focus on? We focus on the negative. And so when we go to bed focused on the negative, our brain, I'm not a brain scientist either, but I know how this works. You dream about being a screw up. You think about being a screw up and, and that's kind of, you wake up then thinking about, oh gosh, here we go again. But if you focus on three or four or five things that are positive, and I would even recommend that you get you a little journal. I carry a pad around in my pocket and right up here in my desk, I have a stack of them, stack, stack, stack that I write, um, all my thoughts for the day and things, new things I learned. And, and if you're not, if you really are struggling with this and get you a little pad that's separate and put it beside your bed and every night before you go to bed, write down three or four or five things that you did right that day. And then you'd create a journal of the positive. And if you're looking to create a more positive life, to be able to trust in yourself more, what you'll recognize is you really do do a lot more right than you do wrong. We just focus on the wrong and that's human nature. Man, that is such a great knowledge nugget to wrap up this conversation on. So, you know, everybody out there, you do more wrong than you do, or you do more wrong. I almost messed it up. Right. You do more no, right than you do wrong. That's, that's exactly how we think though. I, I know. A, mess it up right we count we count all the things that we do every day so it's hard to change those habits it's about having more positive mental habits uh in you know in brain science it's called self-talk and so it's just about having a more positive self-talk and i'm suggesting to you that at the end of the day that you focus the self-talk is directed towards hey, these are some things I did right today. I should be grateful for these and the things I messed up yesterday or today. I'll fix those later, but let's focus on the things I did right. I said something nice to Casey, right? I said something nice to Trey, right? And I meant it, I was sincere, right? And I, you know, I cleaned the kitchen today, right? 
and uh, and I, I I'm responsible at work for this that happened, and I contributed to this positive thing. It's going to lead to some real profitability for the company. Focus on those things. And oh, by the way, when you have that pad, it's real easy in an interview to go back and say when they say, well, you know, how do you contribute? Well, gosh, you can go back and look at a thousand things that you've done to make the world a little bit better. And you can even look at how you helped your company, how you helped in your previous relationships, you know, or your current relationships, your current job. I mean, you have now a record of it. So why would you do it? Because you need a mental and physical record of all the good that you're doing. Because you are doing great. We're doing more good than bad. I love that. There, there's so much in that 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 should be like a whole podcast on its own. That That's just amazing. But we do need to start wrapping it up and I do want to make sure that we get to our VIP questions. So are you ready for those? I think I am. Fire away. Okay. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Yeah. So I just know that the first thing I would want to take with me is my wife. We've been married for 42 years. I can't imagine being anywhere in the world or not in this world without her. She's my best friend. And even though that may be sappy, that's somebody else's problem, not mine. I'm taking my <laughs> wife. And then I, I'd want to take some, I'd, I'd want to take my pads, right? I want to take some of my wow. pads and reading material. Um, I'm a reader and I believe that readers, uh, you know, have the best chance of succeeding. And so um, I, I'm afraid, I'd be afraid to take an iPad or a cell phone because I don't know how I'd charge that. But if I could take a book, right? Or, uh, you know, 20 books, even if I had to read them over and over and over. I don't know about you, but every time I read the same book over, I see things in it I didn't uh, see it before. For sure. So I would want to take some books. I'd want to take my wife and I'd want to take something to make me happy, which is some kind of journals to say, hey, you know what? I've got more to be happy about than sad about. So let's press forward. So there Love you go. It. Love it. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I read. Absolutely. Every morning. Um, some, some mornings I only get to read for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but I tried to read for 30 minutes to an hour every single day. Now I know that you've got listeners. I don't have small children anymore. So I, I recognize that I, I'm at an advantage now. I've earned the right to read for 30 minutes. But what I would say is if, if you can only read for five minutes, if you can only read for 10 minutes or five minutes now and five minutes later, but the more you, you read, the more you expand your mind. I'm okay with audiobooks. I, I'm not against that at all. But I, my, for me personally, reading, I get more out of reading than listening to uh, audiobooks. And it's only because when my brain wants to, you know, think about something that was just said, uh, oftentimes I'll miss the next couple of minutes on an audiobook. But in reading, I can just stop where I am. I can highlight it or mark it. And then, so for reading for me is the answer to that question. Every single morning, it's a habit that has served me well. I wish I'd have done it my whole life, but I haven't. But my whole adult life, since even, even when I had children. So um, reading. That's, that's, that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love that. And by the way, I'm also an avid reader and I also love to highlight. I have highlighters yeah. positioned everywhere that I might possibly be reading in the house, just in case. Well, just in yeah, case. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a highlighter too. And I'm not against audiobooks. I, I, anytime I'm driving, Zig Ziglar, I mean, you had Tom Ziglar way back in episode 11. 
and his dad would have taught audio, you know, um, Audioville University. <laughs> yeah, Auto University or so anyway, yep. Automobile University. And I was a kid the first time I ever heard that. So I've, I've always believed in using time wisely and having the proper habits. So, so Zig helped me decades and decades ago, and it's a habit I've continued. There's a period in college I should have been reading more and didn't. I didn't graduate, <laughs> by the way, magna cum laude like you did. So, you know. <laughs> So my final question, and I'm always interested to hear how this one, what your answer is to this one. So if your life was being summed up in a news article, what would the headline be? Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to even go beyond the news article to my tombstone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, here's it's a simple, simple sentence. I could trust that man. Uh, if I live my life properly, then I would want anybody that knew me when they drove by my tombstone that said Mark Given that they could say, you know what, that's true. Instead of laugh or joke and say, who's he think he is? You know, Mark was a jerk. You know, I want him to say, I want him to think when they see that I can trust that man. And so I think that that would exemplify everything I would ever want in my life is for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, everybody I ever meet, my friends, UKC, anybody I ever associate with to know that I'm not perfect, but you can trust me. Because if I mess it up, if I don't know it, I want you to tell me. And if I do know it, I'm gonna go to work and try to fix it. I, for me, the most important thing in my entire life would be to be known as a trustworthy person, highly trustworthy, a man of high integrity. I, I can't imagine, I mean, forget the money, forget everything else. If people couldn't trust me, I failed. So. so how do people find you if they want to get more of your books or anything like that? It's easy. I'm not hidden anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're working desperately on SAO, so if they just type in trust, it comes to me. I haven't found out how to do that yet. Oh, oh I, I thought that you said you did. I was like, wow. <laughs> Well, I'm in there. I haven't figured that out. I want the word trust to be associated with Mark Given, right? I haven't, I haven't accomplished that yet. But markgiven.com, M-A-R-K-G-I-V-E-N.com. Uh, you can find my books. There, there's my trust-based networking book. Yeah. You can find my books on Amazon. You can find me on, you know, online. In fact, if you want to see the pyramid of trust, and if you, if you just go online and and, uh, and sign up for my weekly message, right? Or just send me an email. I'll send everybody, anybody, and this is whenever they listen to it, some free bonus material just for attending. I've got something called the trust test that I'd love for everybody to take. Eventually we'll have it on my website. Right now it's not on my website, but I'd love for everybody to take that trust test and uh, just, that's a freebie. It's, there's, there's no charge for that. And they can evaluate themselves on the four, four levels of trust and then the best thing to do is to take the trust test, give it to somebody else that they love, that they trust, and have them take the test on, like Casey, you would take it and then give it to somebody to take the test, but not about themselves, about you. And then you compare it. Yeah. So you can see what you think and you can see what other people, you know, believe in, how they believe in you, how much trust do they have in you. So anyway, it's called the trust test. Go to markgiven.com. I'm easy to find. And eventually, if you just Google trust, my name will come up, but it's not, I haven't fixed it. I haven't gotten there yet. Well, Mark, this has been amazing. And I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Well, God bless you. Thank you very much. You know what? Uh, I, I thank you. Thank you, Casey, for having me. I hope your listeners gleaned something 
of value that they can use and, and go to work and apply immediately because, um, you know, I, I would never want to waste anybody's time. So thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. And just know that you can reach out to me anytime. Uh, I will always try to respond to every email or every text message or, you know, let me know how I can help you succeed. I, I want to do that. You and all your listeners. Thank you, Mark. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.